horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of WinningPonies.com. Well, got a little curve thrown to us. Uh, power went out uh, in the area where I usually broadcast from. So a good friend of mine by the name of Patrick Flanagan, who operates Flanagan's Pub in Dayton, Ohio, where they broadcast the Dayton Flyers games from, uh, said to come on down, and his studio is my studio. So uh, we're broadcasting from the home of the Dayton Flyers. And for some of those out there, poo-poo in my Dayton Flyers. Uh, if you're from Kentucky, go back and check the record book. Who won the last Dayton-Kentucky game or who won the last Dayton-Louisville game? Read them and weep. <laughs> Going to have a great show today uh, with us uh, in the first segment will be Hall of Fame jockey Randy Romero, who has quite the life story, uh, has been since he was a nine-year-old riding the bushes uh, right up into the, the physical challenges uh, he faced uh, during his career and continues to, to, to face now uh, in his life. And then on the handicapping segment, just a fantastic card down at Gulfstream Park. We hope the weatherman doesn't ruin it for us. But we've got uh, a pick four with four graded stakes races, and who better but Ron Nicoletti, the uh, face of Florida racing, to help us handicap through these four races. And let me tell you, uh, they are some very interesting races. Uh, after we get past the first full fields, uh, grass races, it'll be interesting to see if they're soft or not. But nonetheless, we're going we're gonna to have a great night with uh, Randy and Ron. Let's take a look at some of the uh, uh, news and uh, good news pretty much coming out of racing, and always happy to see this, that the Triple Crown nominations have soared. Of course, uh, last year, the Triple Crown won by three different horses, obviously headed up by Hanson and, and Union Rags, but 397 horses were nominated to the Triple Crown uh, before the early nomination date on January 21st. That's a 9.1 increase over the 364 from last year. Uh, the uh, Last year, there were also 13 horses that were added after. Now, this makes you uh, eligible for all three uh, Triple Crown races, uh, the Derby on May 5th, uh, the Preakness on Saturday, May 19th, and then the, uh, the Belmont Stakes, which will be run on June 9th. And as we stated uh, last week, all three Triple Crown races will be televised by NBC Sports and are scheduled to be broadcast on radio by the Horse Racing Radio Network. Um, the cost was $600, but if you come in late, uh, you're looking at $6,000. Uh, the Derby Field uh, has been limited to 20 starts in 75, but what's happened this year is Churchill Downs has altered the conditions for the Derby and the Oaks. They're going to allow four also eligibles for each race. You know how every year it seems like a horse gets it, hitching his getty long or uh, a fever the day before the race, and that might leave an empty stall and maybe knock another horse out. Well, now we do have uh, also eligible list. If a horse has uh, entered neither race and is withdrawn from the time entries are taken until the official scratch time, the next horse on the also eligible list will draw into the race, and I do think that that is a good rule. Um, uh, all I can say is that 
the fact that we're seeing the more people nominate to the Derby, we're seeing sales move up. I mean, this is real positive notes for racing. By the way, there were some Philly nominees. Of course, uh, last year's champion, My Miss Arulia, uh, is in there. Uh, On Fire Baby, uh, Rennie's Got Zip, Princess Arabella, Lady of Shamrock, and Disposable Pleasure are uh, the ladies that have nominated. And again, the, the increase in the Triple Crown reflects the horse racing's uh, in, in improving health overall. And that's the way we're going we're gonna to look at it. And again, each race was run won by a different horse last year. It gives trainers and owners a lot of hope, and I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing that more people are uh, are nominating to it. Now we do have breaking news just today about the care of these great animals that put the show on. It was announced today that there's going to be a, a new association made, and uh, if I can get my fingers correct on the screen here, um, want to make sure I get the, the name of it correct. Um, it's called the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, and this is a broad-based group of thoroughbred industry stakeholders. Uh, and the Thoroughbred Aftercare Alliance, Alliance, it's an organization designed to serve as both the accrediting body for aftercare facilities that support thoroughbreds following the conclusion of their racing careers. Uh, funded initially by seed money from the Breeders' Cup, the Jockey Club, and Keeneland Association. It's compromised of owners, trainers, breeders, racetrack, jockeys, aftercare professions. Uh, this is just fantastic that the uh, in- entire uh, field of players have come in to look after our equine athletes. Uh, according to uh, Jack Wolf, as you know, has owned so many great racehorses, uh, securing support and funding from the Breeders' Cup, Jockey Club, Keeneland, and so many other organizations speaks to the credibility and the importance of our effort. Uh, the TAA has been approved by Adina Springs North, uh, Fazig Tipton, the Jockeys Guild, uh, the New York Thoroughbred Association, New York's Racing Association, the Kyle Sales Company. As you can see, just a lot of great people behind this. So this is going to help. You know, there's nothing worse than, than hearing about a horse that somehow gets lost down the line and, and ends up in the killers. Uh, luckily, we've got places like Old Friends and uh, some of the other adoption programs uh, that are managed to get those horses and get care. But now it looks like we're going to have a, uh, a 501 nonprofit organization uh, that that is, in fact, involved. So we're looking forward to seeing that. Well, call the doctor. Derby Fever it starts this Friday. That's right, the first of three pools in the 2012 Kentucky Derby Future Wager going to open on Friday at the tracks and wagering outlets. Uh, the Mutual Field, or the 24th All Wagering Option, most likely, as it usually is first time out, will be favored again this year. Uh, it's put in pool one. And has every year since this started back in '99, and uh, but now we're going to get closer to Derby preps, and you'll see other horses become favorites. Uh, of course, uh, Union Rags is the one horse that's being pegged as the top separate betting interest uh, going into it. So Pool Run One will run through six o'clock on Sunday. The second pool is from March second to the fourth, and Pool Three, the thirtieth to April first. Uh, the only Kentucky Oaks future pool will coincide with Pool Two. Uh, March 2nd through 4th. And uh, don't forget, when each pool closes, you get to keep the odds on what was settled on closing day. They don't change. Well, speaking of uh, Union Rags, Union Rags is uh, certainly going in the uh, the right direction. Uh, trainer Michael Matz, of course, who 
Scott Barbaro ready for his fantastic Kentucky Derby, knows how to get a horse ready. So uh, rather than just work him a half mile, he actually let him go a mile first in, a, in like what they call a two-minute lick, and then he broke off uh, to work four furlongs in 48.69, completing the final quarter in 23.8. So it really looks like Union Rags, uh, who came up short in the two-year-old championship last year, is back on his toes. Uh, I like the way that he's given the horse that, that extra distance. Uh, the way it looks right now, uh, the man who prepared Barbaro for his derby victory off just limited starts looks to make two starts prior to the Kentucky Derby, uh, the Grade 2 Fountain of Youth on February 22nd and the Grade 1 Florida Derby on March 31st. Uh, in the world of breeding, it looks like... Uh, we lost uh, the sire of classic winner Big Brown. His boundary has gone to that big racetrack in the sky. Uh, he was euthanized and buried at Claiborne Farm, the Hancock family farm. He was a 22-year-old son of Danzig, and, of course, he leaves in his wake uh, Big Brown. Uh, some of his other runners include English and Irish champion, two-year-old male Minardi, uh, grade one winner Pomeroy, also sired other greater winners, American Border, Lady Belsera, and Straight Line. Bill Mott trained boundary uh, for his first five starts, including the uh, Rosebud Handicap. Then he raced three times after the Rosebud, winning the Grade 3A Phenomena over champion sprinter Cherokee Run. So, boundary is gone, but Big Brown sticks around. Somebody that's not sticking around, Jackie E.J. Perrodin announced his retirement. Our friend Bob Fortis from the Times-Picayune says that uh, he uh, has decided to hang it up. He has ridden as many as six winners on a card one single day at the fairground, so EJ won't be with us. Here, here's something interesting. Now, uh, get ready for this one. Dr. Kendall Hansen, owner of last year's two-year-old champion, we know he's a colorful man, and now he might have a colorful colt, and this should leave plenty of room for debate. Uh, as you know, he has a... Uh, uh, blog that he does uh, with, with Jenny Reese through the Louisville Courier Journal, and what he's saying is uh, that uh, as much as the horse likes attention, he might get even more. Uh, sometimes they call him Hanson. What he's talking about doing, because he hasn't seen anything in the rule book that says he can't, is that he may paint Hanson's tail blue and his mane blue and yellow to match the silks. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to get the public involved. He's letting the fans choose the color uh, or perhaps the post position he draws that the saddlecloth number, uh, let's say if he was the 80, he'd have a pink tail and mane to match the saddlecloth color. Very interesting. It would be interesting to hear what you think of this. I can tell you what Paul Moran of ESPN.com thinks. Uh, well, actually, you should probably read it for yourself. As you know, Paul was a guest on winningponies.com not too long ago, and uh, he didn't find this uh, very entertaining or colorful. Uh, so I would go to ESPN.com and, and, and look for, for Paul Moran's uh, comments on this. Uh, he just feels that you know racing needs to maintain its class, and painting a horse probably isn't the way to do it. Let's take a quick look now at the races that we handicapped last re week with my friend Rich Eng from Las Vegas. Uh, the Withers, no surprise at all. Alpha looks like he's about punched his ticket to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, and it looks like he's going to go straight to the Wood Memorial. Uh, Alpha was dominant in the mile and the 16th winners. Uh, up for second was Speed City. And third was the sixth, 
Tiger walk. So Alpha, again, looks like he's going to pass the Gotham and go right on to the wood. Our live long shot play of the week, well, mine anyhow, was a horse by the name of Battle Hardened, who ran in the grade three Sam Davis at Tampa Bay Downs and did not disappoint. This is the horse that uh, was still a maiden coming into this race, but had put in some top speed figures. Looks like he wants to go long. He's a son of champion sire, Giants Causeway. And, man, if you got to see this race, he is one good-looking horse, not only on the track, but after the race, the way he bounced back. He won by a uh, length and a quarter. Uh, it was 12-1 to 1 when we picked him on winning ponies last week, but they bet him down a little bit to 9-2. to 2. He ended up paying $11. So, uh battle-hardened is one that now with just one win is looking like he's going to be a part of uh, hopefully the derby picture if he can get enough uh, enough earnings uh, to, to get him home. What's interesting that race is the favorite was Ecabroni, if I'm saying that right. Todd Pletcher trainee, uh, Xavier Castellano came in, uh, was taken up shortly after the start and pretty much trailed the field the whole way. So uh, Ecabroni, uh, the one that we thought could be any kind, was favored in his two races. Um, I'm sure it left them scratching their head, could have thrown a shoe, who knows. Um, coming up very solid in the end was a horse by the name of Perspective. Again, now these are horses that could be going to the Derby. This horse is uh, trained by Mark Cassie, uh, owned by John Oxley, rallied from 8th to 2nd, and uh, made a very nice uh, rally, and also a nice stalker, Reverend, went off at 5-1, to one, was pretty strong. Reverend held on for the third spot. Uh, then we went out to Santa Anita in the Robert B. Lewis. It was, I'll have another one, one easy upset time, 43-1. to one. Uh, So this is one, again, this is a great race, $200,000. I'll have another one. A uh, son of Flower Alley might have punched his ticket to the Derby. Uh, In the the second spot was Empire Way, another one. I believe this horse is a full to uh, uh, Delta Princess. Um, And uh, in the third spot was Rousing Sermon. We had a bit of a competition there in between him and Liaison. Liaison, sad to say, fell in mid-stretch. Uh, Rafael Beirano rolled, got to the inside of the fence, looked fine, actually came back and rode the next race. So not sure what happened there after Liaison got bumped, but uh, hopefully he'll be okay, and so will Rafael. And then we rounded it out with the Strube, and uh, the Strube went to Ultimate Eagle, uh, it was pretty much a, an easy win. He's been keeping tough company, won four in a row, and then just uh, got a little tired of the Sir Buford. Uh, but Ultimate Eagle takes the Strube. Uh, and the following day, it was Game on Dude getting the headlines out in Santa Anita. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we got Hall of Famer Randy Romero on the line waiting to talk with us. We want to find out about Randy's past and about where he's going with his future. So hold on with us on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? 
you can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, with John Engelhart and with a man that I've always been a big fan of, uh, years ago, he was dubbed the Raging Cajun. He broke onto the racing scene in 1975 after competing as a youngster in the bush races throughout Louisiana. Uh, his family life with his father, Lloyd Romero, who was a horse trainer, was the basis for the movie Casey's Shadow, always one of my favorite movies. Uh, Randy made an amazing comeback as a jockey after being severely burned over two-thirds of his body in 1983, something a lot of people thought he'd never be able to do. Of course, he went on to win numerous graded stakes races and three wins in the Breeders' Cup, most notably one I was at, his amazing ride aboard Personal Ensign in the 1988 Breeders' Cup Distaff, a race in which he caught Kentucky Derby winner winning colors in the final stride, keeping Personal Ensign's perfect record intact. Uh, Randy was inducted into the Racing Hall of Fame in 2010. Uh, many of you who have stayed up on the story know that Randy's battle with health issues uh, caused by years of self-induced weight reduction to maintain his weight while riding. Uh, good news at the end of the story this year, HRTV recently received the 2011 Eclipse Award for the production of Inside Information, Randy Romero, and now on WinningPonies.com. We're going to get our own Inside Information. Randy, how you doing today? I'm going well. Thank you for asking. Uh, you you know, Andrew, really, we, I tried to name I, my oldest son is, was Casey, and we we had a white mare and she had a black foal, and we we tried to name the horse Casey wow. Shadow, but for some reason there was another <laughs> horse out there at the time that had already stolen the name. Uh, uh-huh. I've always wondered how much of that movie, if you go back and watch it, um, is is based on re- reality. Uh, probably about forty percent. Uh huh. Forty percent of the movies um, true. Uh, there, there was some great acting in there. I don't know if that was your brother Gerald that you were supposed to be wrestling with all the time, and uh, yes, you know Gerald. Uh, how yeah. much of that w- w- was real? And now that was real. <laughs> and and the the uh, involvement with quarter horses was real too, right? Right, that's correct. Uh, I started quarter horse riding before I started thoroughbred, and after the All American uh, when. They put him uh, in the movie. They put him the winner, but he ran third, 
and after that race there, I converted to thoroughbreds. And uh, because, um, I mean, a, a split of a second, you, you, if you don't break the gate or something happens, you lose. But on the thoroughbred, you have an opportunity to come back and win, you know. So, And I stuck with the thoroughbreds, and I've been very fortunate. Now, just one last reflection on your days in the bushes. They showed this in the movie. Is it true that you've just got to have weight on the horse and you might actually ride a race against a horse that has a chicken tied to its back? I did. I did. I sure <laughs> did. Uh, at the time, I was weighing 75 pounds, and I was nine years old, and I was riding uh, for a bet amongst themselves. And uh, the Casey Shallows is really the movie shows the, the race port in there, and um, yes, they used to catch weight. Whatever you put on your horse, and you run against, and I had to run against a chicken, and the chicken beat me. <laughs> yeah. Well, now uh, yeah, you obviously didn't go go too far when you first started out because uh, you, you kind of you started your career at Evangeline, right in Lafayette. That's correct. And and I was I was I was going to school in the daytime. I finished high school, and I was riding races at night for my my wife's father, which I'm still married to her for 35 years now. Well, as I recall, down especially when you get to uh, when you get to like Evangeline in the fairgrounds, I, I hear riders saying, "Yeah, I think I'm going to go down and try it down there," but. You you cage and stick pretty close. I mean, it seems to me there's a pretty tight knit riding colony at those tracks. Yeah, um, I, I had so uh, young fundamentals. I learned I learned it year early, and when time I was fifteen to sixteen, I was almost a, a professional because I rode about seven to eight hundred match races that I had won, and it just gives you a little edge for balance and switching stick and learning how to pace and all. Uh, but when you start young like that, that's the best. Wow, there's so many great riders that have come out of that unofficial school down in Louisiana. Now, yes. um, as you began to get to a little more legendary and people started started noticing you uh, then you kind of moved up the ranks uh, to places like uh, like Oaklawn Park uh, I couldn't really tell the Randy Romero story w without your near career-ending injury when I believe you had had an alcohol rub down and then brushed up against a, a light bulb that, that caused the accident right. that, that caused your burns is that correct that's correct I had went to I was in California I flew California to Kentucky wrote some races there and win three races that day. The next day, I had to fly to Hot Springs to ride a horse for Shug McGahee. His name was Rackham Sack. Well, I was kind of uh, fatigued and everything, so I just rubbed myself with alcohol, and then I alcohol that oil in it. And uh, I started sweating, and the, the hot box that I sat in was like 100 years old. Right. Cracked the words, and had uh, bulbs around you. And... I hit a bulb and they, uh, I started sweating. I hit the bulb and they exploded and blew, blew me out of there. And, uh, after that, uh, um, I, I was hollering and screaming. I was trying to get the flame off my back, but, uh, it was burning me so bad that a rider coming to take the burn, the flames off my back. And then I, I, they flew me to Galveston, Texas, to the burn center there where um, they did a lot of surgery, and uh, I was burned 60% second and third-degree burns, 
and they had to give me a lot of skin graft. Well, when they gave me a skin graft, they gave me hepatitis blood, and it stayed in my system for 20 years, and it made up my liver and my kidneys, and that's why I'm on, on my dialysis now. I couldn't get no transplant because they can't. Uh, we tried chemo, and they tried to kill the virus in my blood, but they couldn't. And if they would put new organs there, the virus would eat up the new organs. So I just have to stay the way I am right now and do the best I can. You know, there's no el- uh, other help for me. Well, you're jumping way ahead about the best you can because it was unbelievable that somebody who's in a sport that has to have the flexibility that a jockey has was able to do that despite the skin grass. And, you know, you came back, you came back at the fairgrounds, uh, you won your third or fourth riding titles there after that, you set a track record with 181 wins, but then right. you went on to what many feel was the, the race of the century. And that was you becoming the, the personal rider for Shug McGahee and Ogden Phipps aboard Personal Ensign, uh, a, a horse who looked like she was going to have a perfect career until the final furlong of her final race. Randy, can you please describe to us what it was like for you looking over and seeing winning colors alone on the lead and you being back where you were as you turned for home at Churchill Downs that day? I was really worried because the prep race, the race before, they run over there in New York, Chris uh, Manson and Landing Colors, and it was, it was just a mile, and I just got up in time to win. And Landing Colors, her first start at Saratoga, when she ran, I rode her. I broke her maiden, and I knew everything about her, and I knew how good she was, and I knew my mare had to be the best, the best to, to beat her. On the best day, she had to be our best on that day. But uh, she was at the track. Um, uh, she didn't have the, the course. It was muddy and slippery. And it took me forever to get it started. Eventually, I worked myself to the middle of the racetrack. I hit a left hand about the five, six feet. Well, usually, jockeys don't move that early. But that day, I had to. It just some clicked to my mind saying I had to do that. And that's what made me win. And, I mean, it was a tight battle. And uh, as we passed the wire, I had a, I had a feeling that I won. I don't know. Something just came up and said, you got it. And, uh, and yeah, we, we went by nose. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable race. Some race I'll never ever forget, I'll tell you. I never will either. I was there. I was standing on the track. I was uh, the fledgling photographer at the time, and I, luckily I caught you both in the same frame as, as, as you were coming in. But when I saw you uh-huh. fly by, I just put my camera down. I said, I don't think he can catch her, you know? And it was just amazing. The place went wild when you did, and certainly I'm sure Mr. Phipps did by you keeping personal ensigns a perfect record intact. Oh, I'll tell you what. He was so happy that day. I give him my jockey whip and, uh, he has a yacht in Florida, and uh, he has it, uh, Shook told me that he has it uh, framed in the yacht. Well, you, you, you were not only a, a, a part of, of that amazing moment, but you were, you were also, uh, two years later, a, a part of one of the tra- biggest tragedies in racing history went when you were aboard Gopher Juan. I think all of us thought that she, she was going to the lead and she, she was going to get you your fourth Breeders' Cup winner at Belmont Park that day. Uh, what was that right. like going from such great highs to such a tragic low? 
Oh, my God. I mean, I, I, I experienced both of it, and uh, it, it's it, 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 it's mind-boggling uh, how it happened. Um, she was trying. She was, uh, she was on the lead. Uh, they thought I was going to chase her because they both had speed, but I was on the inside, so I was a little closer to the fence and save all the ground you can, and I took advantage of it, and as we straightened up, we my mare switched lead and went on a little piece, and, and she broke her leg. She tried so hard, she she stumbled, and um, tried trying to get to, to beat uh, by a cause. Now she's a three year old, and by a cause is six year old. There's a little age difference, right? And um, but uh, my God, what a race! And uh, it was the saddest day of my life as, as far as for riding. And happy was the winning colors, you know. Well, it's just uh, you know, just the the horses that you're naming are all part of, of, of thoroughbred history, and people are going to get a chance uh, to to read about that because about a year ago, uh, you you put your your thoughts and your feelings in, in a book, uh, you know, your personal recollections, the highs and lows of your riding. Um, tell people about uh, your your book and where they can can get it. I believe it was uh, through Pelican. Uh, Productions, yeah. and they can also get it on Amazon.com. If you could just kind of paint a quick picture right. for us of what they'll get in the book, and hopefully what that book will turn into a movie. It's Yeah, that's what we're trying to do right now. It's a motivational book. It's like The Blind Side, but um, it's, it's similar to that. And um, it's about a rider that gets young, starts out and tries to make it, and... Um, it's hurt a lot and adversities. He comes back and still makes the uh, leading rider and wins at all of different tracks all over the United States, which I went 11 different tracks 21 times leading hockey. And, uh, and all the broken bones and the burn, what I went through. And, um, that, that, that you have to come through to be number one and eventually you make the Hall of Fame. It's, it was, it's a great book, great read. And I promise you won't put it down, and you'll shed a couple of tears. It's because you'll laugh some, and you'll you'll laugh, and you'll feel sorry for me, um, what I've went through. But um, I'm here, and I'm not giving up. I'm working <laughs> with my son right now. He's a horse dentist. He graduated out of LSU, and uh, we travel to Ocala, and he goes to Chicago and Kentucky, and he stays in Louisiana, going back, and uh, it keeps me occupied and busy. Until I'm trying to get this movie made, um, uh, get the right contacts. That's the thing that I need, and um, hope to do that after the after help my son out some. Well, Randy, all we can say is uh, if there's anything we can do through WinningPonies.com to help you, and uh, me personally, if you're if you're going to be up in, in the Cincinnati area, if I can help you arrange a book signing, you've got my number. Don't be afraid to call, and I want to thank you so much for calling in to, to Winning Ponies tonight. You're welcome, and thanks for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Hall of Famer. Randy Romero, an amazing story. I don't think you could have made his life story up if you tried. Well, coming up next, we're going to get into the handicapping portion of the program with Florida's most experienced handicapper, the King of Queens, Ron Nicoletti. We'll be right back.
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, that was a great time spent with the Hall of Famer, Randy Romero, and just goes to show there's so many great people in this game and so many characters in the sport, and the fact that they can come from anywhere. Uh, they can they can come from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, or they can come from uh, right around Queens, New York, a little neighborhood called Corona, New York, and now we're going to get a chance to re- meet the real king of Queens, Ron Nicoletti. If you've watched any television in Florida, uh, you've seen him. He's been down there for over 19 years as an analyst and handicapper. You might get to see him someplace else, though. If you saw a little hiatus there, uh, he uh, took a little time off to uh, to do some acting on projects, including a couple episodes of USA Network's uh, Burn Notice and an upcoming movie with an interesting title, The Killing of a Japanese Bookie. Ron Nicoletti, how are you doing? Hi, John. How are you? Yeah, Killing of a Japanese Bookie actually was a remake of The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. That was a, a movie made in 1976, so these guys made it over, and uh, I got to play a part, and it was a lot of fun. So uh, it was one of my dreams. So I, I always wanted to try acting. I didn't know if I could do it, and I, I also did a play down here, uh, Tony and Tina's Wedding. It was a real stretch for me. I played an Italian, you know. Wow. So I, I really had to dig down deep. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, I, I love the game, and I'm glad to be back. Back at Goldstein Park, and uh, you know it's it's the greatest place to work, to be in the winter. That's for sure. Well, I, I've got to guess, uh, gr- growing up in the area, you, you did uh, you, you you met a lot of ca- cast of characters that may well have filled a Damon Runyon book. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, growing up in Corona Queens, which is a little part, and you know the most amazing thing, and it was it happened about. Fifteen years later, I don't know if you're aware of John Preachy, right? John yeah. Preachy used to write for Newsday and everything like sure. that. We actually did a TV show. Uh, we did the, you know, the in-house uh, TV show at Hialeah. I don't even remember what year it was. And he was also born in Corona, 
which to me was the most amazing thing. So two horse racing people from one one little town in Corona was absolutely uh, amazing to me. So uh, uh, that's just one of the, the crazy things of my life. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I started out and just uh, always loved horse racing and uh, my dad and my uncles and everything, and I used to try and out-handicap them. And I always tell the story the first time I ever went to the racetrack, I got my brother to take me to Aqueduct. I don't even remember what it was. I don't even want to try and think when it was and I handicapped my first horse and I begged him to take me there he took me there and I bet on the race and the jockey fell off so I think they were trying to tell me something back then well you ended up in a long in a long career in it so I'm guessing you uh, you, you cut your teeth at, at Aqueduct Belmont and maybe a summer trip up to Saratoga oh yeah I still go to Saratoga every summer uh, you know for the last uh, years a lot of years 40-50 years you know, and it's just been, you know, a, a great game, and I mean, it's it's like a kid working at a candy store. You can't, if you love horse racing, there's no better place to work. And I had the, you know, the the luck to work a ball. So I called her in Hialeah, you know, for all these years was great. So uh, just having a ball and hoping it lasts a little bit longer. Uh, absolutely, I, I have to agree. There's not nothing better th- th- than a job at the races, or at the end of the week, you actually get a paycheck for being there. I, I try not to act so surprised. <laughs> That's it. That's why they always people say you always have such a great, uh, you know, you're always in such a great mood. I said, what have I got to be upset about? I'm sitting here. I got a, a great handicapper sitting next to me, and Jessica Pacheco. We have a ball together. She's fantastic. She's a great handicapper. Keeps me on my toes, and it's just a lot of fun. You know, just uh, every day. It's something crazy going on at that Gulfstream Park. Well, uh, you, you, you've been at some good ones, and for sure, uh, Gulfstream is uh, one of the creme de la creme uh, tracks in the, in the country. And uh, you're going to have one heck of a Saturday here. I'm thinking. I started thinking, oh, I'll get run on. We'll nail this pick four, and I'm going to go home and then have a great Sunday. And um, after I started looking at the four races we're going to handicap, it's like, holy cow, I can make yeah. a case for half the field, just about every uh, horse in here, and, and also the curve you're throwing at me because we've got a couple grass races, as you're saying, we might have some wet weather down there. Yeah, we've had uh, wet weather over the last couple of days, and we're just hoping, hoping that it did. You know, it, there is a, a big chance of rain on Saturday. We're hoping it clears up. I mean, I, I can't imagine them unless we get some kind of, you know, South Florida deluge that they wouldn't have the at least the grade one or, you know, and, and the Swanee River on the turf still. It might be a little, you know, uh, soggy, but uh, we certainly needed the rain, so I don't think it'll be, you know, bog-like conditions, but we're just hoping it doesn't rain so much. This was, you know, you never know when, until you get the overnight what the card looks like and and as you said what a great great uh, you know bunch of races in there and even in the earlier races on the day you know it, it's just the impossible handicap which which makes it fun you know and uh, Todd Pletcher um, you know he's five five wins away from three thousand we joke every day on the air you know it's been ten minutes and you never know he might have got the five already you know some <laughs> and I, you never know what's going on he's got about he's got uh, at least six live horses and you know six of the races there it's just amazing you look down and it's it's just uh, a great fun you know and the don handicap comes up and you know we got the preakness winner in it the belmont winner in it it's just and it got a, an undefeated horse in it so it, it was impossible we were actually sitting around today you know when you asked our line maker chuck Strieber, you know who, who are you going to make the favorite and he was scratching his head i mean you had to make a shackle for it but 
it's impossible to make the line in that race. Well, luckily, I, I try to do my handicap without the line. I don't know if that's good or bad, but sometimes I never I see the line. I never see the line. I don't even see numbers. As you know, I'm in print two, three days before, so uh, you know they always make fun of me and everything, and I always end up somehow on the favorites. And I try to explain people. I don't know what the morning line's going to be like. I just do what I I do, you know. So uh, it, it's 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 a daunting task. I wouldn't want to have that job. Well, I wouldn't either. Let's let's move on though, because people mm-hmm. found out you were on the show and they told me they were going to tune in because okay. they know you're the Gulfstream man. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the Hutchinson. Here's a chance. It's it's a, a little bit short for some of these three year olds, but horses have gone on to be good ones out of this race. It, it, it's a great two. They're going seven furlongs. Um, uh, in in just painting the picture here, uh, ever so lucky may be the one to beat this Il Villiano. I guess the question is distance. I think the question mark horse in here for me is a, a trainer you mentioned, Todd Pletcher. This Thunder Moccasin looks like it could be any kind. Yeah, he, he looks like a monster. And you see he comes out of a race where both the second and third place finishes come back to win their next start. And right. the horse that was second in the race, Ender Knievel, not only did he come back, also trained by Todd Pletcher, I might add, uh, drew off the win by seven and three-quarter lengths, and both of them look good. So he's certainly been, uh, uh, his last performance has certainly been highlighted by the performances of the horses around him. And I think he's strictly the one to beat in there. So, uh, you know, I had Thunder Moccasin on top and the other horses. You meant, you know, the the uh, the horse on the outside ever so luckily was really impressive in his you know two race freshman campaign he you know he looked really impressive winning his debut came back and was beat you know second in the Kentucky Jockey Club a great two event so he looks like he's uh, you know right there he hasn't run since November but the performance of Thunder Moccasin was one of those horses boy you said wow and there's been so many at the meet by Todd Pletcher that it's almost Unbelievable! You know, it's almost too hard to believe that he has so many great three-year-olds running at the meet. It, it, it is. It is. Just to quickly mention one horse you mentioned, and uh, ever so lucky though, Tra- trained by Jonathan Shepard. And I did hear something out this week that he says, "I don't care if it rains." He says, "As a matter of fact, uh, he worked this horse in the slop the other day, and the horse ran pretty good." So it'll be very interesting. The horse costs over six hundred thousand dollars. So we'll just. Uh, We'll just put that race in our pocket because any of the tougher races are the ones that we're moving on to. Uh, I got about three minutes before our break to run down the Sewanee, which is about uh, 15 minutes not enough to look at this race. Uh, this race is a mile and eighth on the turf. Now, now you said, Ron, there's a possibility that this race could come off the turf, to say, but but. The grade one probably would not. No, this one might stay on, too. I mean, we try and keep the graded stakes on. I mean, that's the that's the sort of plan that they're doing unless we get some kind of, like I said, deluge. But, of course, you want to keep the graded stakes on. We have a, a couple of allowance races or something that might come off. And, and this is only speculation because, you know, the, the job I wanted, if I wasn't a handicapper, I wanted to be a weatherman in South Florida. Because you just say, 50% chance of rain, you go get your check and you go home, you know. So <laughs> it's an easy job. And, and this race, I mean... Uh, I, I really like the, it turns out that it was the morning line favorite, and that's the nomination. Who really likes the distance. Five starts, three wins. It's poised to get back, I think, to the winner's circle. Followed victories both in the, I think it was the grade three Athena and the Violet Handicaps. Just gets beat in the uh, grade three Mike Charmer over a call on November 24th. Christophe Clement, Joe Bravo, and Joe Bravo just been riding great on the turf here for the last couple of years. So always like Joe Bravo on there. And then I went with Heavenly Reward. And a horse, 
from uh, the one horse in here, and it's Color Limbo, I think it is. It's a cloud. I know that. I always screw up the name of it. Well, this horse, uh, trained by Wayne Catalano, came back from a like nine, 16 or 19-month layoff and ran exceptionally well. So I think it's going to run well in there today. He came back and won an $80,000 optional claimer after not running since June of 2010. What a training performance. Yeah, I, 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 can, make, I can make a case for, for all three uh, that, that you mentioned. Uh, the one that I might, you know, throw in there because he was so close to Camino Nimble was this, right. uh, the Brazilian bred here to win kind of leaves me scratching my head he, he's in awful good hands uh, uh, closed well in that in that optional claiming uh, against the one horse yeah and he had a little bit of trouble in that race if you go back and look at it uh, in the race replays you'll see that he was steadied a little bit in the stretching there and you know most of the races uh, this year especially just at Gustin Park there's so many great horses and they all seem to want to make the same move at the same time and you get a lot of steadying and stuff like that so trips are of the utmost uh, in handicapping these races. And if you do have time to go to Express Bet or whatever, you know, platform that you use to look at race replays, if you're on the Internet, you know, when you're doing it, it, it is so important because you will see things that, you know, you just can't put, put in the trouble call notes in, in the daily race formula or Equibase, whatever you use. So it's really important to go back and look, and you'll see a lot of things going on. I totally agree. I'm a trip handicapper myself, and just well, one more uh, buzz on this horse. You know, the horse, uh, even though he's a Brazilian bred, spent uh, part of his time uh, in Dubai, and before that in South Africa, where he caught quite a few soft courses. So if, if it does rain, it catches a soft course. Uh, you, you might get some good odds on a, a, a grass horse ridden by Julian Leparu, who has such great success with them. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then we come back, we're going to knock down the last top two races in this classy pick four from Gulfstream Park. We're going to look at the Don Handicap, one of my favorite races of the year, and the Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap. Good luck capping that. But, hey, we got Ron Nicoletti with us, so stay tuned to Winning Pony. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. It's the Revolution with Jim and Trav, brought to you by Zeiss. This week on the show will be... Mark Zona from Zona's Awesome Fishing Show, Classic Winner Mike Iaconelli, Rebel Lures Lawrence Taylor, Unpros Chance Orth, and Cat Daddy, when we talk about the Bassmaster Classic coming up later this month. All brought to you by Ram Trucks at ramtrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And Ron Nicoletti, the real king of Queens, who's with us right now. We're going to break down the Don Handicap uh, race that produces just some fantastic horses year after year. It's a mile and eight, a half a million on the line. And as Ron spoke earlier, uh, you've, you've got the, the Preakness and the Belmont winner. Uh, you've got the three grade one winners in here. You've got five graded stakes horses, aside from the ones that I've named, in, in this field. Um, it's just truly amazing that the, that the case you, you can make out. Uh, you've got the horse that was the favorite in the Breeders' Cup Classic in flat out, uh, who, by the way, won the Jockey Cup Gold Cup in the slop. So uh, throw that in there that there could be a track condition, and this makes for a real interesting Betty race round. Yeah, and you also got, you know, Trick Meister from the Rick Dutch Barn who's never been beaten before and who worked uh, between the races yesterday and had the uh, privilege of watching uh, both Shackle, you know, Shackleford School today. He looked fantastic walking around the, you know, the area, the walking ring and everything like that. You know, and he was known to, to break out a little bit, so he had a little bit of his sweating on him and everything. But Shackleford just looked fantastic, and I'm expecting a big performance from Shackleford. But you're absolutely right. This race... It, it, a lot is going to have to to do with the track condition, but uh, boy, if you can say that you can bet something in this race with confidence, uh, boy, I, I would really respect you because I I got to go deep in this race. Yeah, I mean, ruler on ice's greatest race just happened to be the Belmont Stakes in the slop. Exactly, exactly. You know, and, and another horse I had some interest in, and I, and I don't have the morning line here, and I really didn't look at it. Is the hymn book, the ten horse in here? Stop, from stop. Are you looking over my shoulder? This is unbelievable. Uh, you know, he, he's going to stretch out today, and he ended his 2011. He was really met, well meant in that grade one cigar mile handicap. He's the son of Arch, and I think. He's going to sit the trip because there is some speed in this race, and I think that Inbook can run very well in that spot. Did you have him on your ticket? Absolutely. I, I, my, my notes are this horse is the sleeper. You know, right. I mean, you've got the connections of McGahee and Velasquez. You go back and look at him on a muddy sealed track. Uh, he had no problem with that. And then he comes back and runs a 101 buyer and just gets beat to a nice horse by the name of To Honor and Serve. Uh, you know, if anybody can, can bring one around to the races at Payson Park, it's Suge McGahee. This is a horse that should not be thrown out. Again, we don't have the odds in front of us, but I'm thinking this horse might be 8-1 to one maybe or more. I'm thinking that exactly, you're exactly right with that. You know, you also mentioned flat out, and flat out just was, uh, did not like, flat out, I guess is a good way of explaining it, no pun intended, did not like the turf last time out. This is a very good horse, and you know, if he runs his race, He's the one. You know, it's that simple. You know, besides Shackleford and everybody flat out, he's just been, he was fantastic all year long. They wanted to try him on the turf, and it exactly was that. We talked to Scooter Dickey, you know, the trainer, and he said, yeah, we're going to give him a try on the turf. And I watched this race outside, and he just did not grab a hold of the surface. So he could bounce back and run well in here. I mean, this is probably, of all the Don handicaps I watched, this is one of the best. 
Absolutely. Like I said, like I said, you got you got you know classic winners in here, favorite for the Breeders' Cup, and a bunch of other uh, you know uh, great stakes winners that at any time uh, could jump up. I mean, I'll just throw the names of uh, Redeemed or Mission Impassable out there. Uh, you mentioned Trickmeister, who's never lost a race. I mean, right. this is where do you go? <laughs> you got to go. Usually, that's where we have the Rainbow Six now, Gustin Park, which has been so very popular. It's that ten cent pick six. This is the way she hit the old button, I think. So, <laughs> absolutely. But it's going to be. Uh, I just uh, if if you're a, a lover of competitive racing, this is going to be a great race to watch uh, on Saturday. And then they're going to uh, hopefully parlay that uh, into the the Gulfstream Park Turf Handicap, uh, another Grade One. Uh, as you said, they're probably going to do their best to make sure that that this one uh, goes on the grass and. Uh, I've got more comments and color marks on, on this thing than I think my kid's coloring book. I mean, um, the main thing was I handicapped at first, and then I went back, and all of a sudden I find out about half the field enjoys kind of a soft turf course. Yeah, and, and today I mentioned that, you know, Shackerford was out, there, was out there schooling, and he was out there schooling with Boisterous, and Boisterous looked absolutely fantastic was just bouncing around my pick and when I saw him today I'll have more confidence in the number five boisterous and didn't know if he was going to be the morning line favorite and he is and I do remember the odds on him was three to one uh, but uh, he, he looks the like logical choice in there but I'm going to give you the sleeper I have in the race and this one is 15 to one on the morning line and this is kindergarten kid and kindergarten kid if you listen to Barkley tag he just says this horse is going to win the race he's 15 to one if you look at his performance in the fourth Lauderdale. I mean, he was way back early. He came flying at the end and just, you know, got beat a length in the race. He's getting Joe Bravo, and I mentioned a little early, I love Joe Bravo on the turf. So he's one of the horses that I'm using. He's actually my long shot. I, I give a long shot selection each and every day in my analysis, and this is the horse that I'm going to, I think, can win this race. I don't think he'll be 15 to 1, but he's going to be 7 or 8 to 1. Uh, Close like a, a bat out of hell, uh, swung wide and was late. And uh, is going to be going back against uh, you know three horses in this race, and and he only finished a length behind the winner. Uh, yeah. Again, you, you can't take anything away uh, from those horses. Obviously, it was the lo- logical prep to get to the turf handicap in uh, in silver medallion and yummy with butter. I mean, how do you separate these two horses? You go back and look at their PPs, and you know they're o- almost identical, and you know. Both these horses are, you know, have won or closing in on a half a million dollars. Uh, I, the difference is this silver medallion, now uh, you've had a chance to see him run. He looks like this is one fit booger right now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's doing very well. He's going for his third consecutive victory. And as we mentioned, it sounds like the Todd Pletcher show here, but also trained by Todd Pletcher and ridden by our leading rider, Javier Castellano. And Javier Castellano, excuse me, over the last, you know, five, six, seven years here at Dustin Park, he's probably been, has, I don't know this for a fact, but probably has more turf victories than anybody else, you know, and I, I, you know, don't hold me to that, but he's an excellent rider, I mean, he's our leading rider, and he's really come into his own in the last couple of years, so he'll be riding Silver Medallion, and he's rode him to those two victories, and then you go back, and then you look at Big Blue Kitten, who, you know, was, uh, who won the Hall of Fame, had reeled off what, five consecutive victories, he comes back, he sets himself up perfectly, he runs in an $80,000 optional claimer, he's way back in 12th, he comes flying at the end, he gets beat a length and a half, you mentioned Julian Lepreau 
fits this running style perfectly. This horse is a grade two winner. He had real uh, five consecutive victories. I think it was five or six consecutive victories. Now he comes back, he gets, a, he gets some bottom into him, and Big Blue Kitten can run exceptionally well in here. And, of course, Chad Brown does an excellent job. So, uh, you know, you just keep going on and on. Yeah, he's a, he's a horse for course. Uh, Ron, do you have uh, what his odds are currently? No, I do not. You know, they did. I didn't write them down, and I'm using the past performances that I handicapped with, and I did, don't have that with me. I wish I did. Yeah, I, I'm thinking, boy, if we could box up Big Blue Kitten and Kindergarten Kid and keep your fingers crossed as the horses <laughs> we talked about, <laughs> yeah. we'd have an awful good Saturday night, that, I well, can tell you. I'm doing that right now. Um, going back to, to Ron Nicoletti, um, Ron, you've seen so many good races over your lifetime. Um, in person, what's the best race you ever saw? Well, I, I don't know. I've seen so many great races, but the, the horse that impressed me the most, a lot of people always ask me this question, and that was Cigar. Cigar, through his whole career at Gulfstream Park, he would just come onto the track, and his he would just go, he would be normal, he would get on the track, and his chest would swell, and his neck would bow, and to this day, I still get goosebumps thinking about Cigar and all the great races he won here, but there's been so many, it's hard to put a finger on it, but as far as your favorite racehorse, it's got to be Cigar, and Cigar won them all here, so, uh, I mean, he, he was just a fantastic animal, and that's the one, when I think of Gulfstream and the fun that I had here, it's when Cigar was running. Well, I'll share a little story with you. I went down, uh, it was about the third week of January to the Kentucky Horse Park to do some photography, and mm-hmm. it's been amazingly warm up here, and for whatever reason, it was like a Tuesday and nobody was there, but right. I mean, who, who in the middle of January is going to plan on going to the horse park? <laughs> and I just spent about 45 minutes watching Cigar in the Paddock. Yeah. And waiting for him to lift his damn head so I could get a shot. <laughs> and, uh, but it was just so cool to be around his greatness. Yeah. You know, when you think of the accomplishments of that horse, and I'll tell you what, when finally somebody slammed a, a, a truck door and started to drive away and he picked his head up, it was like it was every bit of the majesty that he was on the track. He's, he still looks awful good for his age. So the horse you admire so much, I can tell you, still looks awful good, Ron. Well, that's fantastic because, uh, I mean, he was, he was my all-time favorite. And, and the races are so many that it's hard to keep an eye. But, you know, I've had the absolute luck to, to work at Gulfstream, like you said, over the last, you know, and it's getting for the year I took off. It's, I think, the last 21 years in some capacity there. So I've gotten to see a lot of great racehorses. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's like a kid in a candy store. Well, and that's the very reason why we wanted to have Ron Nicoletti on winningponies.com tonight. Ron, thanks a lot, and I hope I can reach back and, and, and talk to you when we get some more top races down in Florida as the season goes on. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, uh, give me an email after we see how they run started to see how we did. I, I think we're thinking alike. So I, I guess if you do good, I'll do good. <laughs> all right. Well, tell your friends it's all on podcast, winningponies.com. We can't forget what we said. It's out there, and it will be out there for 12 months. Thanks a million for being a guest, Ron. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. That was Ron Nicoletti from Gulfstream Park. Earlier we had Hall of Fame jockey uh, Randy Romero. Uh, I want to thank all my friends here at Flanagan's Pub that bailed me out of a powerless situation. I appreciate them letting me use their studio. So uh, across the bar to the neon lights uh, that say Miller on sale tonight, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.